All right, Friday night, it is June, no, it is July 16th, and it is time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry, coming to you from Portland, a uh, little bit of a crackle in my voice, I'm, I, I might not be, lo- I might be losing it a little bit. Is that from coaching through. too much? I might be, it might be from coaching and yelling a little bit too much. Jim in the studio, locking things down in Philo. Yeah, Jim, if you if you combine my, my work day where I'm talking to customers oh, and then I had right. to go coach two games at two o'clock and five o'clock and now I gotta do a radio show, I'm surprised I'm gonna I have a voice still and we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> That's right, you got two more how games. How many times how many times in your coaching career did you lose your voice and, and it was an actual struggle? I can't think of any times when I was playing. Uh, but but do you have any moments that stand out that you remember as a coach where you just couldn't talk on did, the bench? Did I ever yell? That's actually a good point. You didn't say much when you were on the bench to begin with. I was hoarse after practice. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. That's but, a really good point. I was never, and I don't know. I, I got some weird. I, I still don't know. You, you had allergies as a little kid. And you got me trying. I, I had this weird cough during the. I don't know if it was a nervous yeah. cough or I was allergic to something in the gym. But or as soon as it started raining and we got into tournament season. I would get excited and start coughing. I, I don't know what that had to yeah, do. But the minute the season was over, you would stop. That was always the crazy part. Is it? Yeah, I, I remember and that. It yeah, also would stop raining right about then. So I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love hey, it. We I got love something it. special. We got something special here. Go ahead, Jer. We do. Yeah. So welcome everybody to the sports phone. Um, if you're new to the show, very simply put. Uh, this is an open forum sports talk show. Jim and I are here. We're big sports fans. We've coached. We've played. We've been around the game our whole life. Uh, we are here to talk about sports. And more importantly, we are here uh, to open up the world to the listeners because we want you to talk to us about sports. Um, this is an open forum show. Jim and I are here to listen to what you want to talk about in the world of sports. We don't care if it's high school, professional, college, rec league, international, Whatever it is, wherever it is, if it's sports-related and you've got a topic you want to bring up, we want to open up the phone lines and have you talk about sports. So looking really forward to doing that as we roll into the show. But for the first time in... Oh, it's been a while. I I think a while. It's been some time. We are actually not going to open up the phone lines, and that is because... I. We have our first guest in quite some time. Uh, If you are a newer listener to the show, um, Jim and I... One of the things that we did when we started the sports phone was we wanted to make a concerted effort to highlight local sports. And, and more, uh, more in-depth than that, we wanted to highlight the, the local high schools, the local you know, rec leagues, the, the, the club teams, all those types of things. And we tried to bring on coaches, bring on players to highlight those, those teams in the area because, frankly, in my opinion, I don't think they get the recognition they deserve or get put in the spotlight in the way they deserve in a lot of ways for a lot of the teams in Especially. Mendocino County, in Lake County, and even in Sonoma County and, like, the Cloverdale area. So we are bringing it back. We're going to slowly start integrating those guests, um, and we've got one for you today. Jim, uh, if you remember how to do this part, <laughs> I will hand it over to you, and uh, you can make the introduction. Yeah, and I'm going to say I'm going to bring it up. Uh, remind me later, Jerry, to make this little announcement, but what you just said about you don't think it gets these local sports get the coverage that they deserve sometimes one of the reasons they don't get it even less is because our beloved Paul McCarthy's not with us anymore and right, he's right. the one that was probably at every event that this coach probably ever coached um, and while, while he was alive anyway um, I'm introducing you to Merle Larson right now I'm going to turn his phone up in a minute I don't have a lot of history about him but I do know he's the track coach uh, for Fort Bragg High School, which finally is back on the field. You there, Merle? 
Yes, I am. Jerry, go ahead. Start it off. Well, let's let's kind of set the table a little bit because um, Jim apparently didn't do all his research. Uh, Merle, quick quick background on you as a track coach. Uh, how long you've been around the Fort Bragg program and kind of the the uh, the Cliff Notes version, so to speak. Okay, um, quick. Um, I was born and raised here in Fort Bragg. Um, graduated from high school in Fort Bragg. Um, my wife and I got married. I did play, let's see, soccer, um, wrestling, basketball. Um, so I, I did sports. I actually never did track and field myself in high school. Um, but, you know, let's see, playing soccer, I did a lot of running, um, but just never timed. Um, so my wife and I got married. We moved to Sacramento, and we actually, she started coaching, and I started helping her in middle school in Sacramento. Then we took over uh, San Juan High School in Sacramento, took over the high school program there, and we coached. And then when we moved back home, it was in 2016, we took over the program here in Fort Bragg. And your wife, Tara, she works for the school? She actually works yeah, for the school? Yeah, she is an English teacher at the high school um, and a coach. So track and field, I think, is one of those sports that w when you looked at it, it with COVID and everything that was going on, it, that was one of those sports I think a lot of people thought was going to come back possibly sooner and it was going to look you know, more quote-unquote normal just because of the nature of the sport. Um, we were talking a little bit before the show. sounded like you guys were able to get a season in. Um, uh, kind of walk us, walk us through how that all looks. Kind of once so school gets back in, students maybe started coming back. How did that, how did track and field go? How did you guys get integrated and how did the season go uh, from there? Okay. So when last year after it was canceled, um, it was, you know, it was a real bummer. We had 108 kids come out for the track and field team last year. It would have been our largest year ever. Um, it, it, the program has been building, and of course, unfortunately, uh, the pandemic um, took our season short. Um, we went to one invitational at the beginning of the season, and so coming into this year, um, we didn't know if we were even going to have a season. Um, we were told when kids were finally able to come back to what do you call it? some some sort of school where they were doing right, right. Um, you know two days a week and then the other half two days we were told that they were thinking about letting us have a season and we were finally told that there was going to be a season but we didn't still did not know what it was going to look like um, there was a lot of red tape that needed to be worked out and once they did you know they allowed us on the field of course you know with masks and testing the kids each day their temperatures and so there was a lot to it um unfortunately we you know only probably got half the kids that would have came out had there been a normal school year um but it was great to have 50 58 kids come out i think this year um even even with a covid year but after the season started we were also told that they had already, CIF had already canceled North Coast sections, league championships and section championships, basically the playoffs had already been canceled, even though we were going to have league meets. So it was very challenging to inspire the kids to go out and that there was actually something to compete for and that we let them know that, hey, it was early in the season and things were getting better, that things could open up for them, and eventually they did. So I, I wanted to actually quickly follow up on the numbers because you had mentioned, you know, you had 108 and then 58, which are still both, I think, incredible numbers, even if you only had, you know, 58 is still a ton, for, you know, from my area. But I was curious about that just from the standpoint of, 
when I was around the track guys at uh, Linfield, where I went to college, there was this like it was almost you know the football players were the sprinters. The you know the, it was almost like it was track and field was kind of the secondary sport for a lot of guys. Um, huh. d- does that hold true even in in a place like Fort Bragg, where you have a lot of guys where track and field or guys and girls where track and field is that second sport that they kind of. Uh, is it is the, I guess I guess that's the way I would ask the question without kind of going any further. Like, is is it used as that second sport that supplements the whatever else they're playing, or do you get a lot of, or is there more committed people that are athletes that are just running track and field and nothing else? Um, you know, there's a lot of spring sports, but I do think that probably does hold true just for the fact that we are a small school and, and with, right, right. you know, approximately up to 550, as low as about 500 students, depending on the year, um, or 500 students total for the school, is we don't have enough athletes to cover all the sports. So I would say that, you know, your typical football player then goes on to basketball and then goes on to baseball. Um, you know, but there is a lot of spring sports. Um, so we do, most of our athletes, I would say, are definitely just track athletes that decided they're cool. not going to be playing baseball cool. or they're not, they're not uh, golfing or swimming or let's see, what else do we have? Um, tennis. Um, they are just for the most part, runners. We do have an occasional swimmer that does both, occasional tennis player that does both. Um, and they're called dual contracts. Last year, we actually, I think it was, we actually worked with the baseball coach, and it was one of the first times we had ever communicated with the baseball coach, and they were willing and open to letting the baseball players actually come out for track while while playing baseball. So last year, we almost were going to have half of the baseball team on our team wanted to come out for track. Um, There was a lot of excitement. A few kids had came out the year before with the same coach, and they did really well. And so last year, almost the whole team seemed like they wanted to come out. Changing the subject. Here we go. Um, the, the reason... Jim's hard pivoting. The, it's a hard pivot. The hard pivot. Um, I work at, at the Mendocino Coast Clinics, and, and our, one, one of our, uh, my workmates is your pole vaulting coach, Roy. And yeah. all of a sudden, in the middle of a work day, He's like poking his head in my room. This is like a couple of months ago. Did you see what Russell did today? Did you see what Russell did? Did you see what Gordon did? And I'm like, who's Russell? Who's Gordon? Roy, Roy gets really excited. And, and um, so I started to follow him. I want to talk about Russell Gordon. Um, he's a hurdler at Fort Bragg. I'll let you talk about him in a minute. And as far as I can tell, he may be the most successful team or individual if you can call him a team, if you know what I mean, went further than anybody I've ever ever heard of in Mendocino, Fort Bragg, or in our league. Russell Gordon's his name. Tell us about Russell's um, accomplishments this year. So, Russell's accomplishments this year. Um, he came in, well, well, he, geez, where do I start? Um, he ran in 16 meets this year. 16 track meets, placing first in the 110 hurdles and 300 hurdles um, eight times, at least eight times in both events. Um, he ended up finishing 
let's see. Um, let's see. He, he ended up. Uh, he ended up um, going. Obviously, Northern California Championships. Um, oh well, let's start. Let's start at the Redwood Empire. So there was a Redwood Empire showcase first. He went there, and the top kids from the Redwood Empire in each event, which are 16 events, so the top 20 kids were invited. Russell, at that meet, um, won the 110 hurdles and the 300 hurdles, and he ran in a time and then 300 hurdles that would have definitely put him into the state meet. Following that, he went to the Northern California Championships, where he finished fourth in the 110s and second in the 300 hurdles. And then on to the state meet where he won the state um, invitational title in the 300-meter hurdle. Um, he ended up taking fifth in the 110 hurdles. The 300-meter hurdle time was good enough for a Redwood Empire record. Wow. That was set in 1996, a 25-year-old record, making him the fastest ever in the Redwood Empire to run the 300-meter hurdles and, of course, breaking our school record. Um, and after that, he was... Uh, qualified to go to the Nationals in the 300-meter hurdles. Um, actually, at the Nationals, they run the 400-meter hurdles, which is the college version or where, the where was this you know, Olympic, uh, the professional version. And running there, he took seventh in the nation, um, and that time was good enough for 11th in the country and also broke a 40-year-old Redwood Empire record. Where was this uh, national meet? It was at Hayward Field at the University of Oregon, right where where they had just finished the Olympic trials. F- few Nike logos around that that. <laughs> there, was, there was a few, yes. <laughs> so I, my question with with something like this is, I, I think at some level, right? You know, he knows he's a good runner. You knew he was a good runner, but was this level of success surprising for you as a coach or did you know that he had the potential to do something like this going into the season well as he came in as a freshman and he was he was very shy very humble and he would wait till the end of practice till the older kids would leave because <laughs> he wanted to try the hurdles and he was embarrassed he didn't want to fall down so he tried the hurdles, and my wife and I could tell right away that there was potential there, that he could be good. Mm-hmm. And by his sophomore year, by the end of his sophomore year, we knew he was talented. We just didn't know, you know, what kind of talent was there. Um, we were having hopes that he might be able to make state his junior year. Um, he went as far as the meet of champions, which is the pre-state meet his sophomore year. So we did have an idea that he could probably make it to state. But then after having his junior year canceled and starting late his senior year, you know, we just didn't know. Um, but, you know, he was inspired, and every meet he seemed to just get faster and faster and faster. All right, here's one for you. I, I coached for 17 years uh, between middle school and high school, Jerry's era, and then 10 years past my co-host on the show here, Jerry. Um, I coached his teams. And I always had – well, not always – rare but i usually had somebody that wanted to play college ball that was the next level and in a place like mendo if i had jerry my son who wanted to play college um ball i had to manage him get him ready to play college ball and then have seven other players that are there to ride the bus and have fun and 
And if we lose to Geyserville or beat Geyserville, you know, they just had fun on the road trips. So I had that kind of thing to balance out. Do you find, I mean, this guy had to take extra time. He had to, I mean, you were training him for a level that most of your other 107 kids probably wouldn't have made. How did you manage that time? <sighs> well, um, geez, you know, it, it's hard uh, juggling everyone. The nice thing about Russell is he was very, you know, he was pretty self-motivated where each, each day my wife writes a workout for every individual on the team. Oh, wow. So, and there's, there, we only have, let's see, we have Roy, my wife and I, um, and two other coaches. So we have five coaches, and it is hard to manage that time to be able to give the focus on an individual like Russell that could, could really use it. You know, we spend a lot of our time helping the kids that are just learning and, you know, sure. getting equipment out. And, you know, and so I, I do a lot of roaming. But what's nice about Russell is I think he was, he was motivated from the beginning because I think he wanted to be great. And so it was easy to give him a workout and know that he would take care of it and do what he needed to do. Love it. So, uh, love go ahead, it, love Jared. It. You bring it back. Okay. So we're bringing back our favorite last question. Uh, and uh, I apologize. We didn't prep you for this one. We usually do. Uh, <laughs> but our, our last question for all our guests um, this can be as a coach, a fan, or a player. Okay. It can be as any any level. What is your favorite sports memory? And it can be anything. Player, coach, fan, doesn't matter for us. Well, honestly, I, I you know, I've enjoyed all the championships and professional sports I've watched my whole life. Huh. But to be able to coach an individual and watch him at a state meet, win his oh, wow. his prelim, and then go ahead and then win the finals was probably the most incredible thing I've ever watched. Oh, Love it. Great Love answer. It. Good deal. Love Thank it. Well, you. Thanks so much for your time coaching. I know, um, I know what you're going through, and uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Merle. Really appreciate it. Well, that that was oh. uh, Jim. We good? Oh, we are good. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was uh, Merle, head coach of the Fort Bragg track team, or co one of the coaches of the Fort Bragg track team. Like, thank him for spending some time joining us on the sports phone, talking uh, about the success of that program. Um, and as I mentioned, Jim and I, as this, as we get closer, you know, into the into the fall, as we get a little bit closer, we're going to make that effort to start bringing back more guests, more coaches, more players. Try to get that back into the rhythm on the sports phone because we do think we're going to have a semi regular fall uh, sports season. So we'll definitely be making an effort for that. You're on the sports phone. I'm calling about Paul McCarthy. Paul McCarthy. And I'd like to read a brief announcement published in the Anderson Valley Advertiser and elsewhere. Go ahead. Here's the announcement. Paul McCarthy Memorial will be at the Casper Community Center at noon this Sunday, July 18th. Please come to honor our friend and community leader, Paul McCarthy of Mendocino Sports Plus. Please bring a chair or blanket to sit on Consider dressing in the colors of the Mendocino High School Cardinals, red, black, and white, and give yourself extra time for parking and walking. The event will be outside at the back of the center. 
will come together with music and memories for our beloved Paul. Thank you. Wow, That's thank you so much. Thank you so and much. I say congratulations to Russell Gordon. And I yeah. say thanks to Jim and Jerry for the sports phone and Paul McCarthy for all he contributed. Can you imagine, caller? Paul, I said, could you imagine, Paul would have been at that state meet in Oregon. I swear he would have gone up there just to follow Russell Gordon. I really believe that. I'm not just saying. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Thanks for the call. That, that Jeep or whatever the heck he drove would have broke down yeah. halfway to Eugene, and he still would have found a way to get there. I know. Yeah, he still would have. Oh, no, I wish I wish I was I could be home to go to that. Uh, that that's going to be a, a really special event. Uh, that's a Casker Community Center this yeah. this Sunday. And, um, I, I mean, we got to tell this little Paul story now that I'm sure this could come up. But my favorite one, when she said, wear Mendo colors. Jared, did you ever see the posts on Paul's Paul's uh, site when he bet Josh Furks and the principal? I do. I do remember this. <laughs> yes, about about wearing Laytonville versus Mendocino colors. I do remember this bet. They yes, bet on the game. The principal and Paul McCarthy and the coach and whoever lost had to wear the other team's shirt for twenty four hours or two, I do remember that for bet. a week. So so Paul showed up with a Laytonville blue and gold shirt on because I think we lost by one. Something yeah, like that. For that. That was great. <laughs> 707-895-2448. Uh, lines are open. That's actually the first time we've gotten the phone number out. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Got about 35 minutes and change left here on the sports phone. Uh, lines are open. Whatever you want to talk about. 707-895-2448. Jim, it is Friday, July 16th. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Are we going to talk about uh, today in sports, this day in sports? What do you want to What do you want to talk about? I had a long list today. I don't know why I was worried that people weren't going to call and we were going to have to make up all <laughs> kinds of stuff on our own. But I, I, I always like, um, while we're killing time, waiting for someone to bring up their own subject, which we, we really encourage, and we also encourage double dipping, uh, you can call... Put out a topic and call back if you want. 707-895-2448. Lines are open. This day, July 16th in 1969. I don't just talk about these this days. There's always a reason I pick it. Rod Carew got his seventh time stealing home in Major League Baseball. Now, anyone who's played baseball... I can't believe this is done has been done once ever, let alone seven times by the same person. Anyone who plays baseball, I mean, the ball's going 100 miles an hour from the pitcher, and a guy's taking off from third base and beating the ball to home base. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I, it, it requires <laughs> the little I know about baseball. Uh, it requires a lot of things to go right. Like, not, <laughs> so you have, to, you have to jump. You have to time the pitch correctly. You have to get a good jump. You've, the pitch has got to be, you know, maybe a little inside or outside. Yeah. Just a lot of things have to go right. So, and, and for someone to do that seven times is that's impressive. And and is it? Am I right? Do you know, Jer? Uh, and can you could you find out in the time I could ask the question, or somebody else call and tell me? Is it being done less and less now that the pitchers are faster? And I mean, I imagine the runners are faster too. I, is stealing home still a thing? That's that's my. Stump the I think it call- still happens. Stump the caller. Don't look it up. I want to know from some caller if that happens all the time. You're on the air with the sports phone. 
Okay, you know, speaking of stealing home, it used to be until somewhat fairly recently that when there was a runner on third base, the pitcher wound up and pitched. Right. He didn't pitch from right. the stretch. Right. So it was a lot easier to steal. To, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to steal a base if the pitcher winds winds up. So like our, they did years ago. Are pitchers pitching from the stretch now because of stealing home? Yeah, I think the, the answer is probably yes. Huh. They they come to the stretch and they and they they pitch out of the stretch and come to a stop. It used to be whenever there was a runner on third, the, the pitcher would wind up. And you look at all Jackie Robinson steal of home. Every one was done when the pitcher went through a windup. Huh, maybe that's why they don't. And steal I think home. I think Rod Carew probably made a number of uh, steals of home when the pitcher went to a windup. I don't know when when they stopped going to the windup and started coming to uh, a rest at the stretch. But it makes a hell of a difference if you're trying to steal home from third base. So I have some I have some stats. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, I, I'm on it. I'm on it, Jim. Um, and and I'll take these things always with a grain of salt. Like this is just the first stats I was able to find. So from 2000 to 2015, yeah. Um, the stats I see was there were 720 attempted attempts <laughs> to steal. Uh, yes. Do any of do do you, Jim, or the caller? Do you want to take a guess at what the success rate was in percentage? I don't know. I say six of them made it. So how how many were there? Oh. Seven, 720 attempts. I'd say. How many attempts? 720. To steal home, I would say I would say 40 to 50. Made it? Yeah. Huh. What's the percentage? Uh, you're, you're actually... Well, why, would, why would somebody go if they didn't have a fair chance in their mind of making it? Good point. Good point. Call, yeah. Caller, the caller is closer, but you're still off by quite a bit. 26% was the success rate. So almost one in four. Or actually, more okay. than one in four. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. who, whoever thought stealing stealing home would be, would be a topic? Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that update on on stealing home. Okay. Thank Take you. It. Yep. Give us a call Thank back if you, if you got any other insights. Boy, that's an interesting one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have. Let's see. I have July sixteenth, nineteen fifty. World Cup. You know I love me some World Cup uh, attendance record. I got a World Cup oh, attendance, attendance record. record. Yeah, uh, that has still not been broken. Uh, Brazil versus Uruguay in the 19, excuse me, 1960 uh, World Cup. 205,000 people attended that match, and that is still a world a attendance record uh, for a football game or a Wait soccer a match. A football match. What, what kind of stadium holds 205,000? So a lot. It's a big stadium. Like I, I mean, I know that I know that that's a terrible answer. But like, so imagine like, I, I think the picture I'm looking at. The only way I can explain it is like it just it continues up vertically, in a <laughs> it like in a very interesting so it's, way. It's, it's an oval. It gets but, taller. But it, it gets it, taller. It's getting taller. Yeah. So it gets taller than a stadium that holds fifty thousand, not right, longer. Exactly. It's not longer or wider. It gets taller. <laughs> Hello, call. You're on the air. I, I challenge you, guys you to. You're hilarious tonight. This oh, is, uh, that's fantastic. A... <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Vince. So, so I got to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with two this days in sports because it's in the same year. Oh wow! So it's the same same day, the same year, and it's track and field because tonight we're honoring a, a phenomenal performance from a local athlete. Uh, in a in a sport that does not get a lot of recognition in our area, I believe. So yep. in 1988, Carl Lewis 
all by it with a uh, wind aided, ran a 9.78 100-meter uh, dash, which, you know, breaking 9.8 is, is uh, miraculous. And Jackie Joyner Kersey broke the record uh, for the heptathlon with over 7,200 points. So those were two of two this day in sports for track and field, which, uh, considering your guest tonight, I think is uh, apropos. Does it count when they call it wind-assisted? It's asterisk, that's for sure. It can't be really? a record. Yeah, it cannot be a record if it's wind aid. So they measure the wind. They know beforehand that it's not going to count. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's a certain, Jerry could probably look this up while we're talking, uh, there's a certain level of which the wind has to be at, obviously, for it to be considered wind aided. Um, and I and I also want to sure. go back to the last caller with the uh, pitching from the stretch compared to the windup for stealing home. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and I tried looking up when it started, and I couldn't really find it. Um, but I, I mean, I've watched baseball my whole life, and I've rarely recall them pitching from the windup with people on third base. This would be easily going back to the '80s when Rod Carew, you know, stole the seventh one. I would imagine some of Rod Carew's were in the windup, and the majority of them were later in, in the stretch. I mean, it, it is not impossible to steal home plate while someone's in the stretch. I still have the question, Vince. You're the baseball guy. I want a straight answer. Is that the reason they're pitching for a from the stretch so someone doesn't steal home, or do, they, or do some people just like pitching from the stretch? I, I think it's a combination of both in a way. Like I think the, the major part of it is, Pitchers were not comfortable pitching from the stretch a long time ago, the you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, and have learned to, to pitch more from the stretch. If you watch today's pitchers, even starting pitchers will pitch more from the stretch than they will a full windup these days. The windup is almost becoming an obsolete thing, more so than uh, the stretch. So it, it, it's, it's become the opposite of what it used to be. And I think that's a comfort level more than anything. I, I feel like whenever you guys throw something at me, it's like, well, maybe Jerry can look this up while you guys are talking. I feel like you're, I feel that's code for, hey, Jerry, figure this out while we stall for time. <laughs> I, I, I have legitimately uh, done that on you, purpose. You guys throw it at me. I'm going to get you the information. Um, so I, I had no idea, Vince, that this was a thing until you brought it up, this wind speed thing, like this, this legal oh, wow. assistance. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, two meters per second. Is the maximum legal wind assistance, uh, which equivalent, which, which is the equal to a little over four miles per hour. How direct does it have to be? Is there an oh, angle in there? Like, does it have to be like within ten percent of going from their back? What if it's from, sort of from the back and the side? That's a good question. Because I mean, if it's wind, if the wind's coming at your face, that's going to be an impact as well. Well, that so should slow I, you I down. Imagine, I imagine it has to be coming from behind, and obviously for, for it to be wind-aided. What percentage? Like huh. maybe they have a flag that, that has to blow a certain way or something? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, there's Gary, all kinds of wind. Should we so, <laughs> so, so the only thing I can see is that in reading this, it only mentions tailwind. In, in like so, yeah. the, the so that's coming from behind. That's coming it from has, behind. It's the only thing that's going to assist you is if it comes from behind. Merle, Tara, you got anything on this? Uh, we got the four Brad coaches. Hopefully they're still listening. I wonder if that happens in high school. Um, I mean, do, do they cancel the event if there's a big tailwind and they don't want – I mean, the records don't count? I mean, 
Or maybe no, these are indoor. No, because you're, you're still running the event. They, they would never cancel the event for a wind uh, right. uh, thing. Maybe pole vault might not happen if it's huh. crazy windy. But everything else would still happen. There'd just be no records broken. Huh. Right. Interesting. Because right. you, yeah. you can still have a winner or a loser because everyone's running under the same conditions. It's just uh, you can't, exactly. You can't exactly. set a record. Yeah. Are you going to the McCarthy uh, Memorial? I just heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. I was like, wow. Okay. Oh, that's it. Now that I know what's happening, I may pop in for a minute. It's just down the road from me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a big Paul fan. It's uh, it kind of blows my mind uh, to to think that we're we're here at this point. It's been a little while. It's, it's amazing that it's getting to happen. You know, obviously yeah. this probably would have happened sooner oh, if yeah. things were normal. You know, yeah. so it's 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 blows my mind that I haven't heard about it until right now. But I'm so glad that lady called. What a perfect first call of the evening. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. That's yeah. I was going to say that too. It would have been Paul on the air the first call. It, exactly, especially talking about this young man before Bragg, which yep. is just one of those, like, wow, I am absolutely impressed to hear that a school in our area had 100 kids for track. Yeah. <laughs> that alone was... When, you, when, uh, you, when uh, you had 13 or 14, we thought it was a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. But hold on, guys. I'm getting some uh, food runners here. Hold on a second. Thank you very much. Jeez. Public radio. Public radio at its best. Excuse me while I'm picking up my food. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I tell you, you know, getting to coach at Mendo, I mean, I went to a school of 2,800 kids in high school. We had 100 boys and 100 girls, uh, you know, and it was really hard. I was a really good runner. I I never made it to nationals. I made it to states. I was top 20 in states. I was really happy with that. I was, like, only the third best runner on my team in my events, except for one of them. But when you're coaching – 13, 14 kids at Mendo High, and it's a big deal. You have a couple of kids who are really dedicated. Like, I, I got what he said about the, the young man, Gordon, being, being uh, uh, self-dedicated. You know, Joe Smith, Sonny Scott, I didn't have to watch them. Uh, Aaron Thomas, huh. I, I could give them something to do, and I knew that they were going to go do it and do it to their best ability and allow me to focus on everybody else. That's a and good so point. That, that's, a, that's a big, big thing. Uh, as a coach, and Jim, I think you know that with Coach and Jerry. But that that's individual talents. They're still, I mean, it's different in basketball. No matter how anybody's going to go off in the corner and do their own thing, this is more like swimming. You tell, you know, you do yeah. your 500, you do your 200, you, and, and you can do that with track. I thought the most amazing stat, yeah. and then we're going to move on here, Vince. I thought the yeah. most, we got another call. I got the most amazing stat I heard him sneak in, Jerry was when he said, yeah, and, and my, my wife, Tara, she does an individual workout for, for all 108 yep. kids. <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy. That was, that was awesome. Uh, I'll talk to you guys a little bit. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Vince. 707-895. Did we, did we, did we lose, yeah, lose call? It stopped beeping right when we were saying oh, goodbye. We'll 707-895-2448. Yeah, Give a call back. Uh, Gerald, let's start a new topic. That's a good. Um, or actually, All right. what about this today in sports? I know I something. Twenty minutes left. We're doing this. We're we're sticking to the script here. Uh, it's you know what I want you to say. Yeah. Okay. Go so, ahead. <laughs> uh, today is July sixteenth. It's a big day for me, uh, me personally too. in my life. Uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy comes out today. 
Uh, I will be watching that tomorrow with several friends. We're going to make some <laughs> drinks. We're going to have some food. And we are going to celebrate what I am expecting to be an awful, awful movie. But I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Space Jam is my favorite sports movie of all time. And, and I'm so excited for the sequel. I hope they don't destroy uh, the legacy of that movie. But uh, I'm very excited to see it uh, regardless. So, so you is, agree, that though. That is the today in sports. You're not laughing at the first sports Space Jam with Michael Jordan. You're not saying that was awful and that's why you enjoyed it. No, no. That yeah. is, I believe, a great movie. And I will fight anyone that says otherwise. Um, I am anticipating this, this new one with LeBron James to be awful. Uh, I have not read any huh. reviews. I have not looked into it at all, except for some trailers. I just don't have a lot of expectations, but I'm going into it with that. And so because I don't have high expectations, <laughs> I think I'm going to have a really good time with it. I, th I think it's going to be a good When time. Michael Jordan got sucked down that drain and all of a sudden he was talking <laughs> to Bugs and Daffy Duck, I'll, oh, never, I'll never forget it. Beautiful. I don't know that that can be done again. Exactly. That, that's that's, that's the thing. Is like, I, I, just, I don't think they can recreate what made that movie so special, but we'll find out. 707-895-2448, about 20 minutes left on the sports phone here. Uh, give us a call if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. Uh, Jim, I'll give you some options because I know I know we always like to do it this way. I like to kind of set the table for you. I always um, like multiple choice. Yeah, I have a fan interaction update. We can talk about that because I know that's been an ongoing segment that we've talked about, just fans interacting with athletes in different ways. Yeah. Uh, we can we can talk a little college football, which I know is not something that you really like, but but we but we've got something that I think we would both enjoy. Uh, we can talk a little golf, or we can talk a little bit about video games. Uh, what whatever is is on your mind? I think of those options. If those are my choice, just while we're waiting for some more calls, because we usually get them around this time, I'd like I'd like to. Just to discuss that what we saw on that golf video first. So, so a little fan interaction. That's fan. fan interaction. That's right. That's fan interaction. That's right. Okay. So I'll set the table for this one. So this is my this is a fan interaction update for for listeners that haven't that aren't regular. Uh, we've had kind of an ongoing segment over the last couple of weeks talking about fans interacting with athletes and how that has looked since fans have come back to sports. There was a lot of it early in the NBA playoffs where fans were just getting in the way, making racial comments, throwing stuff at players and so on and so forth. Those are bad, right? Like those are ones that can't happen. The one that occurred at the Scottish Open, though, that Jim is referring to. That's priceless. Was just downright funny. It still shouldn't happen, but it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> Rory McIlroy, who's a professional golfer, I think he's still one of the better golfers on the PGA Tour. There's a video out there of a fan walking onto the tee box, pulling a, a club out of his bag, and just walking away nonchalantly. If you haven't had a chance to watch this video, it's really easy to find. Um, it's just hilarious for so many different reasons because of how <laughs> McElroy and his caddy react to it. They don't they, they're just in shock. And the, the thing that I was most impressed by, if you can be impressed by anything with this, was this fan, he makes it look so much like he belongs there. Like he does oh. it with a confidence, just looks in the bag takes a minute to sort things out, grabs an iron, pulls it out, and just walks away. And there's this moment of shock where everyone just doesn't really know what happened. I, and I, I, I watched it, it three amazing. times it was with, you, with you listening to me watch. I was watching over the phone, and we were talking, and I was watching, and I said, what's the big deal? The guy's grabbing a club and going to tee off. I didn't even know that it was just a fan grabbing, just right. taking a club. 
Um, he might have teed the ball up and hit it had they not had had they not realized that he was just a fan. I mean, right. And and again, like I said, I, I don't condone like fans getting in the way of of sports, like especially when it becomes dangerous, like with what was happening in the NBA. But when something like this happens, where it's harmless, and, and you know, in re- like in retrospect, it's harmless. It's just so funny. This video is just so good. The fan, I, I want to, again, one more time, just give some sort of props to this fan for the confidence that he does this with. <laughs> when like, I, he makes it look like he belongs there. It, it's fascinating. The first thing I thought of, I mentioned this to you off the air. Right. And there are more. Ever since I came out as a Seinfeld fanatic, um, I, I found so many other people are Seinfeld fanatics. The Seinfeld where Jerry, they were waiting at a Chinese restaurant in the, in the lobby, and Jerry just said to Elaine, she said, I bet you, I'll give you 50 bucks if you walk into the restaurant, just say hello at a table, take a pot sticker, eat it, say thank you very much, and walk away. That's what this, I'll bet, that's what this reminded me of. Hello, caller, you're on the air. So here's, here's one for you guys for a topic going right off of this because, Jerry, it, it is interesting how harmless this, this act is and humorous to an extent, uh, but it's, it's extremely dangerous to think that somebody can just walk right up to a, a oh. green in a oh, major sure. event yeah. with a major golfer and just take a club out of the bag. <laughs> what What is the one fan interaction that's happened in sports history that took you the most, whether it was good or bad or scary or what? I'll tell you one of the most scary ones just happened a couple weeks ago. If anyone's seen the video of, now this was just pure stupidity at the Tour de France. Someone was just like showing a sign that wanted someone to like, I think they wanted to do a selfie or something and they stepped out in front of the bikes like seemed to me like hundreds of bikes stood out in front, held up a sign, and there was like a. It made a, a freeway pile up, it look was pile up, yeah. like minor. That was I mean, crazy. Yeah, that was terrible. So, so that may have been the most dangerous I've ever seen. Um, what well, I, I I recall the Monica Sellis being stabbed in the back. I think at Wimbledon was a was a big one back in the nineties. Wow, a, I forgot all pre- about pretty wild mm-hmm. fan interaction one. I forgot about you know, there's, that. So there's, so there's there's those moments of like someone walking on a green that close to to players. You know, all Monica Sellis did was sit in her seat at Wimbledon next to the stand. Right. You know, so it's right. very fine lineish, uh, uh, and, and I have seen the video, Jerry, and, and it the guy is completely relaxed. It, it is kind of humorous <laughs> to see how well he does literally pick the club he wants, like he's about to go to the driving range and, and hit a couple balls. It's yeah. it's. It's so weird to think that that's humorous, and also at the same time, what else could have happened? You know, because yeah, we've yeah. we've seen those moments, and they've lately, like you you stated, have been horrendous and and not good um, for whatever reason. You you got one, Jer? You got one this? Yeah, week? I, I mean the 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 the, the, I, the name we can get into, but the the malice in the palace is the obvious one, right? When mm, when the yep, Pistons yep. and the Pacers got into it, and then it bled into the stands and. Our started brought our test started swinging in a fan and like that's yeah. the one from my lifetime that stands out the most like no that was no a big one asked. that was a big yeah. one that was a professional yeah. basketball player running up into the crowd right yeah yeah, yeah. yep jeez 
Yeah, yeah it, that that <laughs> one stood out the most. And and yeah, and, and to kind of reiterate what you were saying there, Vince, like the only reason this is as funny as it is is because he didn't grab the club and like then try to take a swing at Rory McIlroy, right? Like that. It, the only reason this is funny is that in retrospect, nothing bad happened. That's the exactly, only reason I, it, I find exactly. humor in it. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. And totally agree. And and Jim, uh, uh, for Seinfeld, fan interaction with a professional player is Kramer and Newman getting into it with Keith Hernandez. Great episode. The second spitter. That was a a, 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 a loogie, a second spitter. That that, that was a takeoff. Magic loogie. That was a takeoff (laughs) on on, um, on, on the. uh, Kennedy. Kennedy, the, 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 yeah. the, whatever it was called. Wow. The assassination. Yeah. Assassination. Yeah. Of- <laughs> great, great episode. Uh, just, just <laughs> gotta love how we can throw Seinfeld in there every so often. I appreciate it, gentlemen. I will chime in again if nothing else is happening. Thank you. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, Hello, that, call, that one was call, good. you're on the air. Oh, hi there. I'm talking about, uh, people going on to, um, a, a sports situation, um, it was very, very surprising. I remember seeing when I was 11 years old in England, this is a woman called Erica Rowe. She became known as the Twickenham Streaker. <laughs> and she was the first, first woman, actually, to run topless across the pitch of the England versus Australia rugby union match on the 2nd of January 1982 and has been described by the BBC as perhaps the most famous of all streaks. Was um, it the first? The fir- she was the very first, yeah. And this woman apparently was later attributed to the inspiration to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Ran onto the field during halftime exposing a 40-inch bosom. <laughs> and uh, So, no, my question is, is that where the term streaking was invented? Yeah. I believe it was. It was I done mean, other, the... other, than, other than painters, like, you know, people who were streaking <laughs> paint. But, yeah, and the great thing about this was that she was, uh, she was chased by some uh, British um, policemen, bobbies as we call them, mm-hmm. and uh, he tried to cover her uh, with his helmet. With <laughs> <laughs> his helmet? I mean, streaking, streaking is almost a rite of passage in certain ways. It's like in, in sports. Like, I mean... Jim, wasn't there? I, I remember we were in the car one day, and I, I'm not going to name any names. No, not either. <laughs> we were in the car one day, and I, I think it was for the at, like the Boonville Mendo football game. We had some guys talking about getting like figuring out a way to try to streak across the field. Like that's just that's so ingrained in sports. Like I, oh, I mean, I, I love it. I love it. And I yeah, but you know what? What made guys? What made this so special was that this was a very beautiful young lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah and it was sure. 1982, and it was Australia versus England, and of course it went all around the world, and she became known as the uh, most famous British streaker of all time. Um, and good for her, in my view. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it, it gives you an insight into the British character. <laughs> and while we're at it, by the way, what an appalling performance by England versus Italy in the recent European... Uh, Why? Uh, oh, my God. We did Why? very well in the first couple of minutes, but then we just basically retreated, as far as I'm concerned. So I don't think we deserve to win, and good luck for Italy for having won. Huh. Yeah, I watched the highlights on ESPN, and... Yeah. They, they went by pretty quick. There wasn't a lot of highlights. A couple of good saves by somebody. That's all I remember. Yeah. Let's, let's grab another call. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. You Appreciate bet, yeah. You're on the air of the sports phone. Hey, sports phone. How you doing? We're doing hey, you guys are talking about uh, fans versus players. One of the uh, 
the great, or, or I, I should say, misfortunate uh, things about hockey is that very often they'll have fans versus players. Like uh, Guy, his name is Guy Lapointe uh, from the Bruins. Yeah. I, I uh, recently saw a video. I think it's an older video. There's a fan who spills a drink, like purposefully goes and pours his like big gulp drink over the glass, like not into the ice, but like into the the player's box. The bench, yeah, yeah. And and the dude, <laughs> I think it's Guy Lapointe, like just launches over the glass and wow. into the crowd, into the stands, and just like starts wailing on this dude. And like, you want to talk about? Players versus fans. Hockey is. How like, current is that one? Oh man, I, I I can't remember. But if you look it up on YouTube, Guy Lapointe, L A P O I N T E. Uh, he was on the Bruins. He was notorious for just not taking anything from anyone and even fans. Like <laughs> it was just you know, you know no holds barred. And uh, yeah, there's, I know, I there's just, this I was, level. I, I just remembered that, that hockey stuff, and when you guys were talking about fans versus, so I've got know, the fan, video fan on players. I've got huh? the video pulled up here. What's fascinating oh, yeah. about this? For a few, first of all, uh, the fan actually pours it on what it looks to be the coach, and Lapointe oh, is yeah. coming in to defend the coach. And yeah. It's an athletic move that he makes to get over the wall, like to get over the barrier. Like he is in it, like at that point. It's impressive how quickly he gets over the fence or like the the barricade. I have this mixed feeling, caller and Jerry, about violence. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm right. against against violence. I mean, this guy throws a drink on a player that's trying to play. I mean, I think that's as bad as someone, you know, throwing a bottle of water at uh, Russell Westbrook. Oh, right, absolutely. Jeez. It, it's just always that challenge of, like, there's this expectation that players can't react, and it's an unfair expectation, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, right? like, that's true. That's always the back and forth with this, is that players are expected to behave and always take the high road when they're as emotionally you know, fired up as anybody in the middle of a game, and it's, it's just not a really fair expectation to, to expect them not to react. Thanks for the call. I'm going to take another. You're on the air. Sports phone. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yep. yep. I've got a couple of comments I'd like to make. Um, one is kind of a follow-up on what you're saying, but another one's sort of a stump-the-chump question for you. Go for it. You're the Cleveland Browns, NFL. What is a brown? Say it once more. The Cleveland Browns, it's, you know, they're, 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 uh, their name. Right. It references something, and I, I, I've lived in Cleveland. That's kind of where my family's from, even though I was born here in California. But I looked it up one time, and I was, like, fascinated to find out the backstory behind the word Cleveland Brown. Browns. Huh. All right. Well, we'll run with that. Um, we'll oh, get, we only have a, we, hold on, hold on. We only have a couple of minutes here, so I think we keep them on, and, and we get the answer um, if, okay. if, if we can't figure it out. Um should I take one call? Or no, no, no. I, okay. I want to keep. I want to keep him here because I want to make sure we get the answer. Right. We don't have a lot of time here. Um, <sighs> well, it relates to the other subject I wanted to talk about since you guys okay. brought it up. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. What's what's the uh, uh, what's the other subject? It was kind of relating to a subject last week where you were talking about food and oh, you were yeah. talking about bar food and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the woman at the end said something about how 
you know, we're channeling our energy back to the athletes because they can't necessarily imbibe in the substances that we are, like the beer and the, and whatnot. And I didn't buy that for a minute, by the way. Huh? I didn't buy that for a minute, by the way. They, they're no, 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 I like, thought it was kind of tongue-in-cheek in a, in a, in a laughable moment, and no doubt. <laughs> but what I'm, I'm trying to propose is that uh, the, the, the relationship between the fans and the players is such that I think that we could, you know, have a mental influence over them. For instance, <laughs> if the fans were imbibing a substance that might have been something akin to microdosing with psychedelic mushrooms, I think the outcomes of the games would be vastly different and far more entertaining. Oh, boy, now you're starting to agree. We've got a, a woman that calls a couple times that wants the anything-goes league, steroids or drugs. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going there. I think, though, that microdosing is a really use, useful uh, way of, of really kind of like grounding oneself and being really mm -hmm. attentive to what's happening. I'm not talking about like fistfuls of mushrooms like I do, but, you know, smaller amounts where people can just kind of sure. maintain their composure and, and suddenly they don't realize it, but they might just feel a little bit more empowered and jump higher and run faster and be more accurate with their game. Okay, you got 20 so, seconds. How did the Browns get their yeah, name? Origin we, of the we Browns. Got one I, I, don't have, I can't think of an answer here. Go for it. Origin of the Browns. Well, well originally they were called fairies or the brownies. Oh. Brownies are like little fairies or like a leprechaun character. But they're like woodland, mystical, magical creatures that live in the woods. Yeah. But of course, you know, that doesn't really portray massive, monstrous, mean football players. So they had to come up with something a little more interesting. Thanks so for the call. I'm taking one more dogs. call. I'm taking one Round more dogs. call. Thank you so much. Hello, call. You're on the air. We've got about two minutes. Once again, throw the Paul McCarthy Memorial at the Casper Community Center this Sunday, July 18th. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good night. Paul McCarthy Memorial, Jer. It's the show started with that, and in my, we we had time to take another quick call. Um, you got you got any follow ups here? No, no, nothing, nothing to follow up on. Uh, just thinking ahead here. Uh, next week will be the twenty third. Uh, sorry, I'm just kind of getting my thoughts together here. Uh, I mean, we got a, a minute here, Jim. Uh, yeah. Have you watched the NBA Finals? I mean, we're basketball fans. We haven't talked about it at all. I, I guess, scale of 1 to 10, how much fun have you had with the Finals? You're uh, on the air. you got one minute. Yeah, I know. I've been listening. What do you guys think? Three games left, NBA Finals. I'm going to bring it back to our, to our topic, basketball. That's the same question Jerry just asked. I'll go first. We each have 30 seconds, and then we're signing off. Yeah. I don't like... I, I, I never cared about either one of these teams. I'm having an incredible time watching these finals. I love it. Next. Uh, I am equally having a good time. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, I don't think a home team is going to lose. I've got, I've got the Suns in seven. I don't think either team is good enough to win a game on the road. Okay, well, I forgot. Uh, sorry, Vince. I'm taking a few of your seconds. Um, I'm, 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 I forgot I had to have a prediction in there. I'm saying Milwaukee in six. They win the next two. I'm going to agree with both of you. I have no uh, team that I'm rooting for. Um, I, I'm just enjoying the fact that there's great individual performances, great individual plays, great team plays, 
Um, I agree with Jim. The Bucks will win, but I believe they will take Game Seven in Phoenix. So you think home team Saturday, the next game Milwaukee wins at home, and then Milwaukee wins the final in seven? Huh. Yeah, I guess that'd yep. be my second choice. Yeah, I think Milwaukee is the better team overall, um, and I still believe Drew Holiday is going to have a couple of good games here where he's the difference maker. Um, I'm just waiting for that to happen, and they've won two in a row without him playing well. So on, on I offense, feel like, yeah. You know, Jer, um, we have another topic here that Vince brought up last week that we do want to add in sometime, and the, the topic is called trash talking versus showboating. Yeah, we'll we'll we've taken there. it we'll a long there. way, Vince. We've talked about it. We're going to bring it up one of these weeks. I appreciate that, gentlemen. As always, fantastic show. Thank you, Vince. And people, please go to Paul McCartney's uh, uh, memorial this weekend, Sunday at noon at the Casper Community Center. I'm going to go ahead and promote that again, end the show on Paul. Thank you, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, Vince. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks, everyone, that called. Uh, Thanks to Merle, the Fort Bragg track coach, for joining us earlier in the show. Uh, We'll be back next week. That will be July 23rd. And uh, until then, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for everyone that called, and uh, thanks for listening to the Sports Phone. This has been a production of KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Dukaya, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.